That is right. Kansas City, here we come. That is all you need to know about the opening weekend of playoff football. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Jake Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Brainy, and it is a very, very good week to be a Browns fan. We started last week's episode, started, I think, the whole entire episode, um, was basically saying, hey, congrats to the Browns. They made the playoffs. Whoopi, Yahoo, they beat the Steelers to get there. It was a crazy year uh, with COVID and everything, so it just made sense beating the Steelers. It was getting a huge monkey off our back last week, just getting into the playoffs. But they had to take on the Steelers, and it was a fully healthy Steelers, and it was not a fully healthy Browns. Kevin Stefanski, the day after I released the podcast, he tested positive for COVID. Same with Joel Petonio. Those both of those guys, they were going to be out this game. Denzel Ward, Kevin Johnson, they weren't going to be available this game. The Browns were down some major players going into the Steelers game. And because of COVID results, Ronnie Harrison testing positive, or he didn't test positive, but he had to be put on the list. All these different things going in their direction, in the wrong direction. Jack Conklin being um, questionable, playing, and then getting hurt before halftime. Uh basically needing to start a new guy, Michael Dunn at left guard, and then he got hurt in the game, so we had to play a guy, Blake Hance, who Baker has never met before. All these things working against the Browns doesn't matter. They get out to a 28 to nothing lead on the Steelers. It's smooth sailing from them. Uh, from then on, I mean, you know, Steelers made a couple plays, a couple scores to make it a little bit tighter, but the Browns eventually won by 11 and 
unbelievably, they move on in the playoffs. It is such a great feeling, right? Like, first of all, the weekend started with, you know, knowing that this was going to be the Sunday night football game before, before everything, you know, happened with the Browns, you know, on who was going to be available, who was going to be, you know, out or whatever. They picked this game to be the Sunday night football game, knowing people are going to watch, people are going to want to pay attention. So it was the premier game. I know it wasn't the only divisional matchup of the weekend. You had Rams, um, take on the, uh, uh, Seahawks. You had the, um, Actually, that might have been the only one. Um, yeah, it was that was the only one because I thought the Titans were going to play the Colts, but they did not. But so you had another West, uh, the West divisional matchup, but this one was huge because it was just the team that has always been in the way of the Browns. You know, Rams and Seahawks have both been, you know, very popular, good teams recently. So it's not like anyone was standing in each other's way for a really long time. It just it, it's such a great like mirror image for what has happened in Cleveland over the years for what transpired this past Sunday. And and let me explain that because I have a lot of feelings on this. But before I actually get into that too much, I want to give uh, Juju Smith-Schuster a special shout-out. So when the Browns were down a bunch of players and uh, had a lot of things going against them, one of the media members asked Juju after a practice this week, you know, hey, do you think uh, this is a different Browns team than the one you're used to? You know, you came into the league and they were an 0-16 team, but then over the last, you know, three seasons, including this one, they uh, really have turned it up a little bit, including a couple wins over the Steelers uh, and a tie, so that, like, it's kind of been, like, you know, it's it's the Browns have been just sub-500 against the Steelers over the last three years. And Juju said, nah, Browns, still the Browns. You know, they're nameless gray faces. Browns is the Browns. And, I mean, I don't really know what, like, his angle was. I guess he just, like, was so confident that, like, he didn't think the Browns could possibly beat him. So he just wanted to look like, nah, we ain't scared. But, like, the Steelers have been playing like crap. You know, the last couple, they finished, they ended the season going one and five. Their only win coming against the Colts in which they played a really shitty first half and then played good in the second half to like kind of catch up. But I mean, it, it just is a bad look. It's a bad look to be like talking that much shit before a game, especially like for a franchise that is really known to be like, you know, kind of having everything under control being professionals. I mean, I don't know where they got that stigma from because all I ever know the Steelers to be is just a bunch of shit talkers, late hits, dirty hits. Um, they're even their coaches are dirty. I mean, they, they have a lot of people on the sidelines talking shit and, but they still get this reputation because Art Rooney owns the team. So maybe this will change things because Juju talked a lot of shit Late in the season, he had been doing this dance thing, you know, the TikTok thing on the opponent's, you know, midfield, and it has backfired, you know. They lost against Cincinnati. He didn't play well. They lost against Washington. Um, nobody played well. They, I mean, the only reason they beat Baltimore is because Robert Griffin III was that quarterback, not Lamar Jackson. They lost the Browns. Browns beat them, but, you know, they they blamed it on the fact that they're resting three or four key starters. Uh and then there was another loss. Oh yeah, they they got trounced by the Bills. Like they were, that was never even a game. 
So late in the season, they just looked like crap. And yet Juju's still doing his dance. He stopped doing it one week, and then they finally beat the Colts. And then he does it in the locker room after the game, which, by the way, the entire team was maskless, which you're supposed to be wearing masks in the locker room. But since the Steelers, it's okay. It's okay. They're the Steelers. It's, it's, you know, let's, not, let's not go there. But I have to thank Juju because out of nowhere, he brings this up, gives the Browns some bulletin board material. And if you don't think the Browns are paying attention, you're out of your mind because after the game... Kareem Hunt, Jarvis Landry, so many people were tweeting out like Corvette, Corvette, or tweeting the lyrics to the song. There are, there were so many things going around that it's like, yeah, we know Juju. We know what you were saying. And then after the game, of course, Baker's run into the locker room and says, Browns is the Browns, which a lot of people are like, oh, can we already be over this statement? I'm like, no, no, no. We're wearing this one with pride. You know, there's so many times that people will be like, LOL Browns, Lols Browns, classic Browns, like classic Cleveland, dumpster fire, factory of sadness. There are so many negative like monikers that we've been given over the years that it's time to take one of them and flip it. And Juju gave us this perfect opportunity to take uh, Browns as the Browns and make it the team that beats you. Like the Browns is the Browns. And I, I'd, I'd be shocked if Nate Burleson didn't make this point already because I, I like I can hear him saying it. He's such like a Browns believer. But the Browns is the Brown. That's got to be like a new phrase in Cleveland. It's going to be on T-shirts. Um, it, I've already seen it on a couple T-shirts, so I, I want to get one. But um, it, it's just like, you know, a lot of Browns fans out there, they don't – you got to embrace this. This is the turn. We got to do it ourselves with that. So – um, going, you know, going into the game, they had this, a little extra motivation. They had no practice, they had no coach, but they had a plan. And I think, I know it sounds crazy, but I think the game that Kevin Stefanski missed this game is the one that ensures he wins coach of the year because he had them prepared. He had them, everything was set up, you know, through zoom and everything that like through the week, he was like, this is exactly what we're going to do. Now, did he plan for the first play of the game to be, uh, a large snap over Ben Roethlisberger's head, uh, bad snap by Pouncey, t- turns into a touchdown, and then Ben turns a couple balls over. And No, he didn't plan on that, obviously, but it just goes to show that like, you know, he, this team was prepared because what he does Monday through Saturday helps the team on Sunday. So this team was prepared. Alex Van Pelt, the offensive coordinator, Joe Woods, the defensive coordinator, Mike Prefer, the special teams coach and uh, interim head coach for the game. They all had this laid out perfectly. We were out uh, um, our offensive line coach. We were Bill Callahan, who has been so great this year. And people stepped up into those roles. We're out um, uh, Drew Smetling or Smetzling, um, the tight ends coach. We're out. Everyone was stepping up and everyone performed well. Michael Dunn had to step in, never played for the Browns uh, before. Uh, stepped in for Joel Batonio, had to go a pro bowler, by the way, pro bowler Joel Batonio, and had to go up against another pro bowler, Cam Hayward. And I never noticed Cam Hayward. I never noticed him once throughout the game. And then when Michael Dunn went down and Blake Hans came in, never noticed a, a drop off there either. And Jack Conklin went down and Kendall Land came in. Uh, there was one play where I noticed a difference and uh, it, and they it got called for a holding. I think they ran it back and they, you know, declined the penalty or whatever. But um, that was it. The first play where he was taken on TJ Watt and he held TJ Watt. That was the only one. We didn't give up a sack. We didn't turn the ball over. 
They the Steelers turned it over five times. We won the turnover battle five to nothing. We didn't give up a sack. And, and I said going into the game, I told my dad, I was like, "What's the key to the game? We need to capitalize on our opportunities. We can't miss guys that are open in the end zone." Baker was brilliant. He didn't miss anybody. He didn't turn the ball over. And I said, "We got to protect the quarterback and protect the ball. Zero turnovers, zero sacks. That is the key." To winning in the playoffs. I don't care who you're playing. Like the Steelers, it's of course a key to beating them because their defense is so vicious and they rely off that, especially with when their offense is sagging so much. So it was a huge key to do that. We did that. Baker in his first ever playoff game, a road game at Pittsburgh, was phenomenal. Excellent. Whatever word you want to say, he was great. And then the running game was really solid. The line worked together so well. Um, the receivers, I mean, we didn't ask much of them, but they performed when we needed them to the, you know, Higgins had Higgins actually had a rough game and probably was one of the guys who didn't play the best on offense, but I, I'm okay with that because we didn't need him and we're going to need him this week. And I, I think he's a big bounce back candidate. Kareem hunt. He had two touchdowns in the first quarter. Um, the one to put him up 21, nothing. And then 28, nothing. The first one he ran through. A, you know, it was the offensive line did great. Jack Conklin got down the field, White Teller down the field, um, which they're so great at getting to that second level of blocking linebackers and safeties. And he broke through a tackle and then took Robert Spillane six yards into the end zone, ran through like three guys. I was like, this is that is the absolute tone setter. That was the play of the game because not in the way of like the one we needed the most, but it it is the absolute epitome of what this game was is that the Steelers were in position and they didn't do anything. And the Browns just were, the Browns did everything they wanted to. They did it perfectly. And then when they wanted more, they took more. And that is exactly what happened on Sunday night when everyone was watching and they just said, who, what, why? Like every, like nothing, nothing made sense. And to me, I'm laughing because I'm like, oh, I'm used to this. You know, I've seen this before. Brown Steelers, it makes you think of, Bad snaps early in the game that lead to touchdowns. Four interceptions from your shitty quarterback. An opportunistic defense that's in the right place at the right time and makes tip balls turn into turnovers. The team celebrating after every defensive play. Laughing on the sideline. And a professional organization moving on in the playoffs. But we're used to it being on the other side of things. I've been to games where the Browns snap the ball into the end zone and it's like this no-name punter has to jump on the ball or else the Steelers pick it up oh, look the Steelers picked it up and they start the game up seven nothing and Ben Roethlisberger's not even touched the ball yet I'm used to that I've seen that I was literally there I've seen all the times that Ben Roethlisberger was able to just throw a touchdown and all of his teammates were smiling and laughing and the Ravens are cracking up and the Steelers are are doing whatever they want I've I'm so used to those games so to see it disappear from our repertoire and go into what the Steelers have to deal with now and all those Steelers fans that were talking shit and all the Steelers radio people that, you know, were, were talking shit all season, you know, Colin Dunlap, who every time, you know, Ben Rossberg practice, he was like, season's over, Browns, or like, look out, Cleveland, like, your window's closed, Browns, like, like he was talking a lot of shit because, like, you know, frankly, they don't respect us, they look at the Browns coming into this year, they looked at the Browns and said, they're not even the little brother, they're just like, like a 
fly that like won't go away and that shows up twice a year and we swat it and it's gone and it counts as a win and it counts as a second win and helps to make the playoffs every year. Like that's the way the Steelers had viewed us. So for the Ben Roethlisberger era and he might still be playing next year. So I know like, but this was the official end of the Ben Roethlisberger era. Like he might, he might come back next year because of, you know, it is going to, he'll have to give back like $12 million of his bonus or whatever if he doesn't come back. So he might not retire because of that, but he was crying on the sidelines. He had four interceptions. He looked terrible. He threw for 500 yards because he threw the ball 67 times. I mean, I know they're terrible at running the ball, but 67 passes was never in the game plan. He has no mobility left. He's, I mean, he can't get hit. And fortunately for him, he got the ball out quick enough that he never really did get hit all that much. And the Browns never really got to him. But, I mean, Steeler fans were begging for Mason Rudolph in that game. Mason Rudolph. That's who they're begging for. I mean, that was the only the only way it could end better is Ben Lothar being like, I don't even have it anymore. I, I have to quit. And then Mason Rudolph comes in. But, you know, <laughs> it can't have everything. But this is the end of the Ben Roethlisberger era. And, like, maybe it takes a year to get there, but um, they need to move on. And starting, you know, they're starting to see that. Some Steelers fans, they're turning on each other. While others, like, um, there's one called, like, Steelers Depot. Ryan Clark, who's a former player. Um, one of their radio guys, uh, I, I forget his name, but he's, like, the pony or whatever. They They're taking it, right? A couple of them are just like, you need to shut up. We need to take it, and the Browns have bragging rights for eight months, like if not more, which is true. Like the Browns have bragging rights until next season happens, and if you blow us out, then you know we could still look back. But don't be doing the dumb shit that Blitzburg and the you know idiots from Pittsburgh like to do, where they're like, "Oh, count the rings." Like, no, 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 we're not counting rings unless you're the defending champs. Like, you really have no reason to talk in the playoffs. Right uh, until you face each other, and then one beats the other. And if you lose, you can't rely on things that happened in the fucking seventies to 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 be your argument. All right, that's off season bullshit right there. Which I know the Steelers are in their off season, but we're not. Um, and then you got other guys like Colin Dunlap who are freaking out and losing their mind because they buried buried themselves so much with. This whole, like, Ben's never good. Oh, man, that was the best. He said Ben Roethlisberger is, just cannot lose to a Browns team. They could have Jim Brown. They could have Otto Graham. He named all the Browns greats. He's like, it doesn't matter. And the fact that our out Stefanski and Batonio means it's just that much more obvious. But it was never going to matter. The Browns cannot beat Ben Roethlisberger in a game that matters. And, oh, boy, was he wrong. And he wouldn't even admit that he was wrong. He was just yelling at Ben Roethlisberger and Mike Tomlin the whole game. And then when people were, like, mentioning him to Old Takes Exposed, he's like, yeah, I know. They know. They have the receipts. You don't need to tag him anymore. It's like, all right, man. Well, you know what? Maybe you shouldn't have made your bed like this. Maybe you should have, like, been a little more humble. But, hey, what, what do I know about humility? What what do I know about being humble? I'm just a Browns fan. <laughs> It was great though. It it's su- it was such an amazing feeling to see sad Ben Roethlisberger and the always overrated Marquise Pouncey snap the ball, like have a couple bad snaps actually, and then apologize to him on the sideline and just sit there and take it because Marquise Pouncey is the fakest 
tough guy and fakest good guy I've ever seen. Like, for some reason, he gets the credit for being, like, the best center in the league when he's, like, never been the best center in the league. He is always considered, like, the best person in the year. Meanwhile, like, when the whole Miles Garrett thing went down, Miles was pinned to the ground by two offensive linemen. So Marquise Pouncey starts kicking him in the head repeatedly. And it's like, okay, well, you know, it's one thing that, like, you know, what Miles did and everything. And I'm not even going to get into that. But, like, that was a fight. When someone's pinned against the ground and you're kicking them in the head, like, how do you, how is this guy your man of the year at the time? So, I don't know. And then, also, he's supposed to be this big, tough guy who doesn't, you know, he's like, oh, you know, this bullshit, like, uh, you know, and he's, like, you know, taking the whole, like, suspension thing, like, way out of control. Um, and he's he's a he's a bitch. He's a bitch. I hate Marquise Pouncey. And I'm so, like, he's basically, him and Eric Ebron are my new, like, Al Horton. Well, I mean, he's done, so it's, Pouncey's out. But Eric Ebron ran his shit all year. Uh, you know, saying like, you know, when LeBron was pumped for the Browns, he's like, where they going, bro? Well, we're going to the next round of the playoffs. You're going home. So maybe they're Eric LeBron, who, I mean, he's on Twitter more than he's catching balls. And then the best, and oh my gosh, the best is Chase Claypool, a guy I once rooted for as a Notre Dame Golden Domer. Claypool, after the game, uh, you know, he's on TikTok. He's just like Juju. He's on TikTok a lot. While Juju said, like, nothing, Claypool was answering, a, you know, he claims he was answering a question, but he said, uh, yeah, we lost, but Browns are going to get clapped this week by the Chiefs. Like, he's not worried because, uh, you know, the Browns, there's no way they can beat them. And then he doubles down and starts ripping a practice squad corner that was covering him, Robert Jackson, who was on, was literally on the practice squad in week 16, had to come up because of Denzel and, and Kevin Johnson getting COVID. And he's starting to say, look, this guy, he's a fish. He can't even cover me. Like, look at this. I make one move and he steps outside and the safety's already coming over the top. Like, by the way, like, I don't know how this Canadian has this, like, California accent. It's, it's wild. But he's talking shit about Robert Jackson, the Browns' sixth corner, not being able to guard him and that the Browns need to cover him with a safety over the top. Like, are you kidding me? Like, that's what you're bragging about after losing? You're, you, you guys lost by 11 points and you're bragging because they needed to put a safety over top to help you in a game where basically you're playing prevent defense? Like, what is wrong with this guy? Like, what is going through your head? And then he comes on the radio again, or not a radio, he does a podcast, um, and and is on there, and he doubles down. And he's like, no, I believe it. The Browns don't have a chance this week. And, like, says, he's like, yeah, so, you know, the reason I brought it up is because someone was asking me what my score prediction was, but I don't take it back. I mean, it, and it's like, you got to shut up. And I love what Ryan Clark said, because Ryan Clark is a Steelers homer, because he played for the Steelers for so long. But he was, like, the first one to be like, yo, everyone, shut up. Like, you got you got your asses beat by your little brother, and it sucks. But it happened, and you got to move on. Because, like, this is what, ha- like, like, you just look so unprofessional. This looks like, I mean, the WWE wouldn't even like this. Like, this is so below what everyone thinks of the Steelers. 
But I love it because now it's soiling the Steelers' reputation, the franchise reputation. I mean, Mike Tomlin can't even keep his wide receiver room like under control. Juju's a free agent. He's probably gone because a they don't they don't pay up their receivers. They just draft receivers and then the receivers they draft do well. But Claypool will be back and he'll be you know dependent upon to be their number one guy, and he's still going to be talking shit next year because nobody has control over there. It's wild, man. It's so it's so great to see it from another franchise. Like this wasn't even stuff that we used to see from the Browns because like the Browns didn't have anyone good enough to talk shit to be on someone's podcast during the playoffs. So like we didn't we like this isn't a thing I'm used to being on the other side of that I'm like, "Mm, now it's cool to see it again." No, no, this is just the Steelers' brains are broken. Or Ben Roethlisberger is crying on the sideline in an NFL game because he just played so bad against the Browns, a team that he's beaten 28 times before. And Marquise Pouncey is just not shaking his head like, man, what the fuck? And Chase, Chase Claypool, also in that interview, called the Browns classless. He was like, if they had won with more class. And he was like, wait, so the Browns, who have been who this week were getting all that shit talked to them by Juju, were supposed to like be above it. Cool. Like, okay, so we, we're just not allowed to talk back when you guys talk shit to us. Because uh, that's what happened. There were no dirty hits. There were no late hits by either side in this team. There was a clean football game by both sides. But since the Browns were up 28 to nothing and feeling themselves and having fun, they were supposed to keep it mitigated. You know, you're supposed to keep it down because Juju spoke shit and now they feel bad and now they're going home. Because Claypool says, oh, you know what? No, they need to win with more class. And it's like, well, you know what? Don't talk shit and the Browns wouldn't have had any shit to talk back with. By the way... Baker Mayfield went over to that sideline to shake Juju's hand and your hand after the game because you guys were sitting on the bench. You know, I saw I saw other quarterbacks and teams run to the locker room, not shake hands. I saw Lamar Jackson uh, the moment after he took that final knee run to the run to the locker room. He had nothing to say to the Titans because they don't respect the Titans. Well, I saw I saw Baker Mayfield running over to the sidelines to the guys that wouldn't shake his hand to shake their hand. I don't know. I don't know. The things that people don't want you to see about Baker Mayfield because it ruins their narrative. You know, how does that help you? So it's just it's just so great. There's just so many great things to see about this team. And it's like I'm equally enjoy I'm not equally, I shouldn't say that's that's ridiculous. I am so much enjoying the fact that the Browns are playing playoff football and they're continuing their playoff dreams of winning the Super Bowl. And the first thing they say in the locker room, hey, job's not done. I want more. Can you give me more? Yes, sir. Because they believe that. This this year wasn't about making the playoffs. And it pisses me off that there are a lot of Browns fans that are like, you know what? Yeah, everything from here, it's gravy. Like, what? <laughs> Every Everything here is gravy? Like, you guys are forgetting. Like, the, the Indians made the World Series in 2016. And we're like just happy to be there. And Indians haven't made the World Series since. And now that entire team outside of Jose Ramirez and Roberto Perez is gone. The entire team. Think about that. Your window in professional sports is always smaller than you think it is. Now look, I'm not saying you can't enjoy this. I am absolutely enjoying this. Obviously, you hear my tone. So I think everyone should be enjoying it. But I saw the same stuff that it's like, hey, 
we just we we got our ninth win. We have a winning season. Everything from here is fine. Wrong. Oh, we got our ten win, double digit wins, best season since two thousand seven. Oh, everything from here, it's gravy. I'm good. Wrong. Oh, we made the playoffs. Like like yes, the monkeys off the back. Correct. Yes. Oh, everything from here. No, no, stop that. Enough with like just like setting the bar at things and not reaching. Like your bar has to be winning the championship, right? That's what it is for our opponents. Steelers bar isn't making the playoffs. Steelers bar is winning the Super Bowl. Chiefs playing next week. I think their bar is to get a bye. No. How about the Bills? Bills team. They won a home playoff game. First win in, first playoff win in a long time. First home playoff game in a long time. They, they got their monkey off the back like, you know, two years ago. But then they finally did this. I mean, they're the two seed. They're not thinking just one win and we're good. No, everyone is here to win a Super Bowl. There are eight teams left. When the Browns kick off on Sunday, they will be one of six teams remaining that can win the Super Bowl. Just like think about that. And you never know, especially with the amount of good players that are in the NFL and young, good quarterbacks in the AFC. Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen. I, I mean, these guys are all in the AFC. Tua, he's going to be getting better. Drew Locke, maybe he's going to be good. Justin Herbert's probably going to be rookie of the year. Joe Burrow, he's going to eventually be on a good team. Sam Darnold, who knows what's going to happen with him. But there are good young quarterbacks everywhere. Teams are getting their franchise quarterback, and the Browns are on their franchise quarterback's rookie deal. Things are going to get harder when Baker and Miles start getting those big bucks. I'm not saying it's going to be possible. I love our GM and our front office. They know exactly what to do and when to do it. Like, they're stacking their... I wish you could see my hands right now because I'm, I'm using them to, to show you how they're stacking their contracts. But they're stacking their contracts so that they're never paying too much money to one position. And that when one guy is coming off the books, it's a perfect time to capitalize and bring in someone new in the draft where they're not getting paid a ton. So that, like, Wills and Conklin aren't losing them at the same time. These guys know what they're doing, and they know, and they're going to be able to work more magic, especially when teams dump guys like Ronnie Harrison because they're tanking, and we get Ronnie Harrison uh, like a you know a cornerstone for our D backs with for a fifth round pick, like that was great. So I'm I'm very happy with where the team's going, and and I don't think our window is going to close real soon, but I'm just trying to get it out there, Browns fans, listen to me. All right, and we make it. Very clear. It's great. We are all happy about this last week's win. This was monkey off our back. This was beating the older brother. This was ending Ben Roethlisberger's era. This was undoing so much wrong that had been done to us for years. We finally have our franchise. But we have to expect more. I'm hearing a lot of everything from here is gravy or house money or my personal favorite, just happy to be here. The same attitude cannot be taken anymore. We cannot just be happy with these things. We should be happy, but we need more. No settling. We're here to compete, and we are here to win a Super Bowl. So raise the bar, because it's time. 
it's time. That's all I have to say. And there are a lot of people out there that are doing this, and and like I'm celebrating too. But don't say like, oh, we're playing with house money, because we're not. <laughs> like that's that's not how this works. So I'm not gonna belabor this point any longer. I just wanted it to be out there because a lot of like the and I I hate to call individuals out, but I would say the optimistic Browns fans, the ones that have been like cheering people on saying it's okay it's fun like it's okay we lost to baltimore like no it shouldn't be we need to set the bar at hey we win those games against baltimore now like those games we gotta win like it was the best game of the year cool but like we lost the best game of the year and so we still don't know how to properly manage the clock against a really good team like if we were to get past the Chiefs, I think we we're going to end up playing Baltimore. And that's a team that, like, we still haven't proven we can beat. Because, you know, even though we beat them last year, I feel like that team we beat last year wasn't the same team that went 14-2. and two. Like, if we're just being real with ourselves, right? Like, they were 2-2 two and two at the time and tied with the Browns. Both the Browns and the Ravens were 2-2 two and two after we beat the crap out of them. But that wasn't the team yet that went 14-2. and two. I know there's a formula to beating Lamar Jackson and making him throw. And this was his first playoff win, too, was this week. Josh Allen, Lamar, and Baker all won their first games. Their first playoff games. You know, Lamar had lost two. Josh Allen had lost one before this. Baker, this was his first shot. But, you know, I I know he's beatable. I know that there's a way to get to him. Um, you make him throw. Like, the big plays, he made, he made like two big throws when they were losing everything else was well you gave up a huge fucking touchdown run and you gave up a huge run when like you didn't have to and basically made everything easy for them the titans weren't ready for that game and that was that was a little embarrassing uh they did not show up this year in the playoffs so just going through the rest of the playoffs i um i did pick baltimore to win that one outright i thought the bills would beat um the colts i thought the bills would actually cover because they've been playing so well but uh, the Colts did cover. It was a really good game. It was a real fun game. And, of course, I picked the Browns to win outright. So when they covered and won outright, I was not shocked. And then in the NFC, um, I, I cared a whole lot less about the NFC, obviously. Um, I thought the Bucks were uh, going to you know, beat Washington. Uh, I had Washington covering. They did, barely. Uh, they lost by eight. Um, and, and they did cover. So... That, um, I had the Rams beating the Seahawks, uh, so that was pretty cool to see that happen too. The one I was wrong on was I thought the Bears would also cover against the Saints. I thought the Bears, um, they were going to, you know, lose like in heartbreaking fashion. So I went 4-2 and two on picking against the spread this weekend, this, uh, or last weekend. This upcoming weekend, I think the Browns, uh, against the Chiefs, well, let me get to that one last, um, you got the the Packers against the Rams. I do think the Packers uh, cover because I just think the Rams offense just is not going to be able to keep up. I know Jalen Ramsey is going to be all over uh, Devontae Adams. And I know that Aaron Donald is going to shred basically any offensive lineman he goes up against. Especially now that like, you know, without Bakhtiari and with like multiple injuries along the offensive line for Green Bay. I don't know how healthy they are. So that's going to be a little troublesome. But... I think Aaron Rodgers is just playing MVP football right now, and they're going to eventually win this game by possibly 10. Uh, the New Orleans game, that uh, that is finishing up Sunday night. 
against Tampa, Tom Brady versus Drew Brees, like the third matchup of the year. I think Tampa wins this one. I think they, uh, you know, get kind of re- revenge for the last two that they dro- dropped. They're just playing great football right now. And the Saints, if they're going to have to rely on Drew Brees, I, I, I just I don't see it right now with Drew Brees. Like every time he's making plays and stuff, it's either really early in games or in games that or in games that don't matter anymore. I want to see him actually like perform well with, when he needs to, when the team needs him to. Uh, regardless, I got Tampa Bay and Green Bay moving on, and uh, I have Tampa, Green Bay, and Baltimore covering. With the Browns, I absolutely have the Browns covering. Um, they're getting ten and a half, and they just beat the Steelers by eleven, who I know are not the Chiefs. I know the Steelers are not nearly the threat that Kansas City is, but Kansas City hasn't really been covering against teams, and Patrick Mahomes hasn't thrown in three weeks, right? Like he took off week seventeen, and they had a bye in the first round, so that's two weeks, two games he hasn't played. And I, I I think there might be a little rust. I definitely think they're going to score a lot of points. But I think the Browns are going to score a lot of points too. I think this is going to be a game where like both teams score in like the high 30s, low 40s. Um, it's going to come down to does Miles Garrett get past Mitchell Schwartz or whatever right tackle or you know are, is going to be in for Mitchell Schwartz? Can Sheldon Richardson uh, plug up? enough of like the running game that they're only really passing the ball because if the Browns give up the run, then this is going to be like very, very easy to move the ball. Whereas like if they're at least plugging the run, uh, Pat Mahomes will at least have to earn it through the air. Uh, I, I think Travis Kelsey is prime for a huge game. The Browns have really tough, tough times covering tight ends and then pure speed receivers. I don't know if we've played a speed receiver like Tyree kill this year. I'm trying to think back, like, or at least a quarterback and with a speed receiver like this combo. Like, I mean, we're not, I mean, when we faced Henry Ruggs and Derek Carr, um, that was in like the pouring rain. I'm not saying Derek Carr is anywhere near Pat Mahomes. I'm just saying the last time we faced like a receiver that was like, oh shit, can we catch up to this guy? That was in horrible weather and and Henry Ruggs still was able to like make a dent in that one. Um, so I'm I'm a little nervous about that because I know Denzel Ward is a good cornerback and he's going to be back here and Kevin Johnson's a good slot guy. Um, I'm I'm worried about the speed though because we haven't faced a a team with this much speed and a quarterback that can that makes you cover that much ground. So I do think uh, there will be some big plays, but we have more big plays this year than Kansas City does. Uh, we have a better red zone offense than they do. Uh, they have the worst red zone defense in the league. Like, you get to the red zone on the Chiefs, you're pretty much getting a touchdown. And since the Browns are so efficient in that area, I mean, God, I would really fucking hate it if they weren't able to capitalize on that. Like, if we finally, like, that, I'm knocking on wood right now, because that would just fucking suck. Like, that's the one thing we can't do. We need to capitalize on our opportunities. We need to protect the quarterback. We need to take care of the football. And that's the offensive game plan. Just capitalize on the opportunities. You get to the red zone, punch it in for a touchdown. Kicking field goals in this game is is practically punting because it's going to take like six touchdowns to beat this team. It's like a six plus. Defensively, I mean, 
can you get to Patrick Mahomes without letting him flush out and throw on the run? Because throwing on the run is is easy for him. Can you get and put him down? Can you sack him? Um, that's really going to be the only thing because I'm like, you're not really going to be able to cover Travis Kelsey. And these speed receivers are going to eventually get open. So it's putting Patrick Mahomes back on his lap and beating this offensive line. That's really like the only way I see the Browns winning this game is you do those things that I said on offense and basically getting to Patrick Mahomes and maybe he's a little rusty and take advantage of that rust. If he's going to throw a bad pass in the first quarter, you have to pick it off. Like if he throws one and it goes through a linebacker's hands, just be like, that was it. That was the one because there are not going to be more than four or five opportunities in this game to take advantage of. And if you miss those, like you're shit out of luck. That's about it. Cause this team is that good. Um, I wouldn't be a Browns fan if I didn't have them picking, uh, if I didn't pick them to win, I think they are going to win. I think they're going to win 45 to 42. I think a lot of people are doubting them, including free bulletin board material, Sammy Watkins for some reason. Now this is different. It's different than what Juju did because Juju was literally had the microphones on and a video camera on him and was in a press conference. Sammy Watkins was just replying to a tweet, but someone said, looks like you guys got some competition this week. And he said, nah, not really. So for some reason, he gave us some free bulletin board material. That is pretty cool, Sammy Watkins. And don't for don't think for one second the Browns didn't see that. Because they all Mac Wilson was liking the tweet and someone else like you know quoted him or whatever. So it's out there. But I think it's pretty clear. The offensive game plan, it shouldn't really change much from last week. Rely on our offensive line and our running game. Get the ball out of Baker's hands real quick. Use Kareem Hunt. This is his first game versus Kansas City. Uh, he's going to be a hard one to tackle on Sunday. Like, he is going to run through some people. No sacks, penalties, and turnovers. Force it if we go down. That will be the the death of us. If you, if you go down by 10 and we start forcing it, that'll be it. You got error executing the end zone. Field goals, basically mini punts. And defense... Keep Mahomes in the pocket, but provide pressure. Make him throw off his, you know, off kilter. Make him run, but also not get out of the pocket. Uh, he, he's got to be the checking down to running backs. We need to make those tackles. We can't be, we can't be Mac Wilsoning it and missing tackles on running backs in the open daylight. Can't have Jacob Phillips riding Eric Ebron for 15 yards downfield. Need a couple red zone stops. If, if we can get them to not score in the red zone, maybe turn two touchdowns into two field goals, that's where it happens. And the middle eight. My final key. I love the middle eight. Baltimore Ravens, they kill us with the middle eight. Browns, we try to implore the middle eight. It's not it. And for those who don't know it, the middle eight is the term that basically is the last four minutes of the half and the first four minutes of the third quarter, right? Give or take. It's It could be 10 minutes. It could be four minutes it could but they call it middle eight because if you watch the good teams new england patriots um when they were you know at their best they were doing this to teams tennessee titans the way they beat the patriots and then of course you know john harbaugh i hate him but he does so well with this <coughs> excuse me to keep it keep the ball out of the best players hands by ending the first half with a long drive where you score 
and they don't get the ball back. They don't get that extra possession before the half where they take like four or five plays, get into field goal range, and kick a mini three. You need to end the half, basically. Basically giving them 30 seconds where they just say, you know what, fuck it, kneel it, let's go to halftime. And then in the second half, you open it up by draining some clock and getting a long touchdown drive. Keep that quarterback on the bench as long as you can. And hopefully, if you could turn the last drive of the first half and the first drive of the second half and make that like 10 straight points, somehow, if that can give you a lead and Patrick Mahomes is on the bench for an hour, right? Because, you know, when you add in halftime, when you add in like, you know, how much time it takes to do the last five, six minutes of the half and then the, the first five, six minutes of the second half. When that adds up altogether, it's not an hour, but it's at least a half hour, 45 minutes, and it's getting to him because he's like, geez, I haven't, pl- I haven't played in a while. That's how you get to him, and that's how you win this game. So that's the keys to victory against Kansas City. I, 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 I'm loving this Browns team. This has become one of my favorite teams I've ever rooted for in any sport. Um, it, you know, it's it's already been a successful season. I'm not trying to play this whole house money thing because I want to win a Super Bowl. I want to go out there, um, and I and that's where the bar is set because you never know. Maybe next year, like you know, someone gets hurt and someone's not playing well, and the Browns have a down year. They're already in a tough division, so you can't be banking on like what the Patriots did and just win their division every year. Like that's just not gonna happen. You need to compete and you need to fight as like hell. Just to keep up and just stay in it and be in the race. But, God, beating the Steelers, that was fucking great. I mean, so many. And I know a lot of Steeler fans that would have loved to stick it to me. And now they don't even want to talk to me. And Jim Donovan with great calls all day on that game. That was awesome. Thank you for the extra motivation, Chase Claypool. I don't know why you're you're doing this for us. Uh, Double down, cool. Like, you know. The Steelers are a mess right now. It's so great to see it. And, I mean, it was just great to exercise some demons. Like, they had been our roadblock for years. I've been to a Browns beating the Steelers game, and it is a religious experience. So, to do it back-to-back weeks, one to clinch the playoffs and another in the playoffs, it really is getting rid of the old moniker of, like, same old Browns. This season, and, and this is my final take of this of this game. This season can end with a Browns heartbreaking loss. It like it it this can happen. Like maybe they're up 10, 14 points on the Chiefs or even the Bills or even in the Super Bowl and 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 blow the lead. And it won't be same Browns. That won't be the thing because we've officially done with that. We have officially started a new era. We can lose these games and like it might happen. But at least we're in the new era of, of like the Baker Browns, of like the Stefanski Browns. Like what like Browns is the Browns is the new Browns era or whatever. Like I don't know what you want to call it yet. I don't know like what our name is gonna be. But those classic Browns, the Lols Browns, the Jersey, the the new ways to lose, the you know, players that we don't even recognize, the week 17 collapses. All of those things, that was the old era. When you look at this team on Wikipedia, it's going to be starting with this year. Everything else, the firing of the coaches and the GMs and the January searches and the quarterback jersey, all of that stuff is the old era. The new era started this season. 
Um, we got to bury it with the two straight wins over the Steelers. There will be more losses. There will be some embarrassing moments. There will be some times we put our foot in our mouths, but at least it's part of a new era. And that's what I'm really mo- most excited for is that we finally have moved on past that. And we are a new Browns team. And we have our new fucking uniforms, which are which are basically our old uniforms, but we are off of those garbage uniforms and we are on to, <laughs> on to these nice ones. So I hope you guys have enjoyed my podcast. Uh, this is probably the most excited I've ever been to do a podcast. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I was pretty pumped when we drafted Baker, and this is why. Because I knew he would be the guy that would perform in the playoffs. I'm so fucking pumped for this weekend. Browns 45, Chiefs 42. It's my prediction. I hope you watch it. I hope you have some fun. And if the Browns win again and I get a victory Monday where I don't have to work because it's Martin Luther King Day, oh boy, that's going to be great. I will have more college football and Cleveland Indians and all that other jazz to talk about. But you know what? Right now, we are in the playoffs, so why talk about anything else? Thank you, Browns fans. Thank you for listening to the Jake episode 110. Love you all. Go Browns. Hey. <laughs> Three, four! Three, four! Three, four! Three, four!